0: St. Patrick's Day. My name is Ryan Holzbus and you are listening to Behind the Back, a podcast presented by Top Chef Lacks. Last night, the PLL held its first ever entry draft for lacrosse pros that did not play in the PLL in 2020. We will be going over that entire draft in this show and talking which teams improve the most and who looks good going into the rest of the 2020 offseason. If you are new to the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening to us on. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and iHeartRadio. Follow us on Instagram at Twitter at TopShelfLax underscore. And make sure to check out our website, TopShelfLaxMedia.com. We have some awesome articles over there, including an article previewing Each of the top players at each position ahead of the college draft in April, make sure to go check that out. So yeah, we're going to get into the entry draft. And just one thing, also around the sports world, although sports around the world are currently on pause, yesterday was full of action in the sports world. The NFL saw a handful of really big trades. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins got sent to the Arizona Cardinals. Running back David Johnson was sent to Houston in that trade, in that, in that swap, um, with a handful of picks as well. Defensive tackle DeForest Buckner is headed to the Colts. Stephon Diggs is headed to Buffalo. You're hearing it here first. The Bills are winning at least 12 games, and they're winning the AFC East. in in 2020, and Josh Allen will be an MVP candidate in 2020. That is my my bold predictions there for Buffalo. We saw a lot of other signings and re-signings. Amari Cooper got a big extension, so did Ryan Tannehill. Drew Brees got two more years with the Saints. Some notable players got franchise tagged. And the biggest news happening just this morning, Tom Brady announced that he will not be re-signing with New England. In 2020, the likely destination looks to be Tampa Bay or Los Angeles with the Chargers, something to follow, as, as we have no live sports, so... These are some stories that we will be following into the next uh, couple weeks. Also, we had the entry draft, obviously, last night. In today's show, we are diving headfirst into that. So, without further ado, the official PLL 2020 entry draft results. The first pick was Zach Courier. Second pick, Jesse Bernhardt to the Chrome. Waterdogs Dogs got Zach Courier at first pick. Uh, Rob Pinnell, third to the Atlas. Eli Gobrecht, fourth to the Archers. Zed Williams 5th to the Whipsnakes, Finn Sullivan 6th to the Redwoods, and Dylan Ward 7th to the Chaos. That was the first round. In the second round, the Waterdogs took Ryland Reese at 8, Chrome took Donnie Moss at 9, Atlas took Craig Chick at 10, Archers took Christian Mazone at 11, Whipsnakes took TJ Camizio at 12, the Redwoods took Greg Pasculgin at 13, and Chaos took Jason Noble with the final pick at 14. The two players that went undrafted were Brendan Cavanaugh and Josh Hawkins, and they will be joining the PLO's player pool. So let's break it down. We are going to go team by team, and we're going to start at the top. For the Waterdogs, I've been saying it for the past week. The Waterdogs came into this draft with a lot of areas of need, the attack being one of them, and I saw Andy Copeland going in a different direction. I liked Pinnell at one. He's one of the best players in the game, but I understand and see what everyone likes about Courier. I, I, I still think he's a phenomenal player. I, I'd never said he wasn't but I thought Copeland was gonna go with Pinnell at one obviously my mock draft didn't do too well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into that we're gonna get to that but uh, my mock draft did not do so so hot but I I, I understand what everyone what everyone's so high on courier about he's he's an MVP caliber player he was a finalist last season in the PLO for the league's MVP he's a versatile two-way style player and those players dominated the PL in 2019 specifically when it came to transition a lot of the Offensive production last season came in unsettled situations. And Andy Copeland said he's trying to put together a group of guys that thrive in unsettled situations. You now put him on an offense with guys like Drew Snyder, Connor Kelly, Dan Epp, Ryan Conrad, Ben McIntosh, Ryan – the the list goes on and on. Drenner, Reeves, McArdle. It's going to be interesting to see how Coach Copeland groups these guys together. How does he plan on utilizing all of them? Curry can play attack and MIDI, So where does he fit in? Pretty much the big thing for Copeland is that – he wants to spend less time subbing guys on off the field. Courier is a guy that can run up and down the field and stay on the field. So Copeland absolutely found the guy he was looking for. And Courier brings a lot more than just being able to stay on the field and be a good offensive player. He's a really good defensive player. He battles for and wins ground balls. It's likely that we see a ton of Zach Courier in 2020, whether it's unsettled situations, settled offensive sets, faceoff wings, defense, man up, man down, to be honest. I mean, we're going to see a lot of Zach Currier. And for the Waterdogs, they are really just a goalie and a face-off specialist away now because with the addition of Ryan, Ryland Reese on defense, they can focus their attention on the face-off position with the third pick in April, or possibly the eighth pick, as they have the first pick of round two, as, as we've been told. But Ryland Reese, I had him going second overall to Chrome, and he fell to eight. This pretty much summed up my mock draft in a nutshell. I got three out of 14 of the selections correct. I don't know if I had him overvalued, or if teams like the Archers and Redwoods that also took defensemen just pass on him. Reese was a member of the all-world team with Canada in 2018. He had 63 ground balls, 15 calls, turnovers, 6 goals, and 2 two-point goals in 2019 in the MLL. The transition game and deep shooting from beyond the two-point arc is the direction that the league is heading in. Reese showed that he can be a threat from two-point range, and... I just I saw him going earlier, but for the Water Dogs they add another young defenseman. They now have Reese, Chris Sabia, and Noah Rashard, three guys that were all in the same draft class last season, and then two veterans in Brody Merrill and Brian Carolunis. Reese played on Team Canada in 2018 with uh, Brody Merrill and Zach Courier. He can play LSM and down low at close defense. So for Coach Copeland, I see both of these selections as immediate impacts for his team, making a contribution from day one. Both of these guys can stretch the field. And again, I had Reese going second overall. He slipped six spots from number two. And in a draft that saw a lot of defensive talent go off the board before him, three guys were selected before him. It will be interesting as we watch in 2020 to see who performs better, who makes a bigger impact on their teams. Chick also went two selections later, and I think Reese specifically will make a huge impact for Coach Copeland, a steal at, at number eight. The Waterdogs add possibly the best offensive player and best defensive player in this draft, both being transition threats and are now a specialist and a goalie away. So it will be interesting to see how Andy Copeland goes about finding those next two pieces on his team. Moving on to Chrome, I personally feel like even if Rob Pennell went first overall, Tim Sudan still would have won with defense at number two. I had Reese as that guy. Obviously he followed the War Dogs at eight that who we just talked about. But I think that it didn't matter if Courier went one or if Pinot went one. I think Chrome was taking Bernhardt regardless. Maybe we can get an interview with Tim Sudan in the next couple of weeks and ask him. Because we talked about it yesterday. Chrome needed to rebuild their defense. They lost Chris Sabi to expansion, Joe Fletcher to retirement. Jesse Bernhardt now jumps in as a championship-level player, a championship-level defender. He's a leader that Sudan can expect to start. You know, he the guy that you can expect to play week one Boston, week two in Atlanta. And you know, you can count on for the, for the remainder of the season. I'm personally not a huge fan of the, of the Donnie Moss selection at nine. I think this was an opportunity for Sudan to really go all in on defense. Craig Chick was available. When you look at the defensive talent on the defensive midfield situation for Chrome, they have Will Haas, who is one of the best short stick defensive midfielders in the game. Max Tuttle is a young guy. He's entering his second pro season in 2020. I don't know how much this decision was based on Sudan coaching Moss when they were both with the Rochester Rattlers in the MLL. Don't get me wrong, Moss is really good at what he does, but I saw this as an opportunity for Crumb to replace the loss of Chris Sabia with another young defenseman. I had Chick going third to the Atlas. He fell all the way to 10 to Atlas, so actually I got 3.5 out of 14 of my mock draft, I'm going to say. We're going to count half picks if if they eventually went to that team. But I saw this as a chance to rebuild with with youth. I talked yesterday about some of these selections for these younger players basically being extra college draft picks. And with all the questions right now that surround the PLL college draft, it makes these picks even more important. But at least Chrome found one replacement on defense. Bernhardt should be a starter for this defense week one in Boston. He also played with Will Haas, Joel White, and goalie John Galloway with Team USA in 2018, so some defensive chemistry there. Chrome has a solid offense from 2019 that scored the most goals in the regular season. They have the fourth pick in April and can go after an offensive player if they choose in that draft, so I think Chrome definitely made considerable steps forward in improving from what was the worst record in 2019, so we will see. Moving on to the Alice, the possibility of Rob Pinnell slipping to three was there. If he wasn't taking first overall, as I predicted, I saw him fall into three because Chrome needed to get a defenseman and did. So this really doesn't surprise me. Pinnell fits in perfectly with what Alice has on offense. He will work from behind the goal with two great finishers flanking him in Ryan Brown and Eric Law. Brown being one of the best shooters in the league, great balance between these three guys, and Pinnell has played his best when he has two guys around him that he can dish it to and those guys can score. Brown and Law are both righties, which isn't ideal, but when Law jumps inside, Brown tends to find space for a shot on the outside. Pinnell likes to go to his left. to set up a right-handed shot, fading away from the goal. Whether it's a question mark or roll back to the goal, so finding feeds to Brown and Law shouldn't be difficult for fin- for Pinnell either. He'll also have some combination of Paul Rabel, Connor Buczek, Romar Dennis, John Crawley, and Joel Tinney roaming around the two point arc. Pinnell has played with a handful of these guys in his career, so the chemistry is there. Atlas has played its best offense when initiating from the from behind the goal, and in 2019, John Crawley was the only one who really managed to create much from of anything from there when they went to the invert. So that possibility is still there, and obviously Pinnell will be. Doing almost all of his dirty work behind cage, so expect this at, this Atlas offense to be clicking on all cylinders. Pannell also joins his brother James Pannell. This this is just a great pick for Atlas. Ben Rubio also added a young defender, a young defender that I had him taking with the third overall pick. So hey, my mock draft predictions are are slowly getting better. I give myself a half point for that. So four out of fourteen. But Chick last season impressed as a rookie in the M L L. He can slot. And at close defense, in a rotation with Tucker Durkin, Cade Van Rapport, Austin Mafani, and Kalen Robinson, and run opposite Kyle Hartzell at LSM, he can push in transition, he causes turnovers, and my immediate reaction coming out of this draft is that the Atlas might be the best team going into 2020. Like, I feel like a lot of people said that last season going into 2019, but this team is now set. The offense is elite, the addition of Chick goes a long way in hopes to revitalize a defense that struggled last summer. All of these teams are really good and improved in this draft, but the Atlas might have taken the biggest step, Pinnell being one of the best attackmen in the game, and a young player in Czech who I personally believe fell considerably in this draft. I thought he was going to go much earlier, and I, I think one of the best players in this draft, so we will, we will see. Moving on to the Archers, who had the 4th and 11th overall selections. Coming into this draft, I had it swapped. I had the Archers taking an offensive player in the first round and a defense player in the second. They go defense first. I feel like out of all the teams, the Archers really came into this draft with two needs. The first one being, with uncertainty around Pat Spencer in the 2020 college draft field, which is supposed to have a large pool of attackmen, try to find an ex-attackman to play with Will Manny and Marcus Holman. Pat Spencer, obviously, there's been talk that he wants to play overseas for basketball. We don't know the full story with that. Pinnell got taken with the selection before the Archers had their pick at four, so that possibility went out the door for for trying to figure that out in this draft. But expect Chris Bates to revisit this in the college draft with the number one pick. Doesn't matter who's available. There's there's a number of of attackmen in this college draft. Some of them, even with the eligibility, some of them are going to, to join the draft. So expect Chris Bates to revisit this in that draft. And then the number two is to add depth on both sides of the ball. Defensively, Jackson Place is recovering from a scary neck injury from last season. His status for 2020 is currently up in the air. So adding possibly the quickest defenseman in this draft and Eli Gobrecht is a step in the right direction. He'll join a close defense rotation with, with Place when he returns, Curtis Corley, Mac McMahon, and Mike Simon with Scott Ratliff running at LSM. Gobrecht has covered the fastest of attackmen while in the MLO. He's been asked to deny some of the best players of the ball, which has its obvious challenges, and he's been very successful. So this selection to me is a move that Chris Bates sees as, again, who will make an immediate impact. Gobrecht can make an Im- immediate impact, and when you think the transition game, there's a lot he can contribute there. However, with the depth still on the board, I was surprised they went with Gobrecht. With a handful of other names available in my mock draft, I'd have had him going as the fifth defenseman taken. He was the second. But for the Archers, this is is an addition where Gobrecht can be an impact from day one. As we said, when I think transition, I was thinking research check, but Grobrecht is, a, is reliable. He missed time last year due to an injury, but he's proven in his two seasons of pro lacrosse that he's a force both defensively and in the transition game, transition game being an area that the Archers lacked in 2019 from their close defenders. And like a lot of people, I see Christian Mazzone as an under-the-radar pick. The Archers just lost three offensive players to expansion in Ben McIntosh, Dan Epp, and Christian Cuccinello. Epp was one of the fastest players in the league that played offense, defense, and was a factor in transition. Mazzone should help the Archers replenish some of the pieces that they lost in February. He adds another dodging threat that will allow Tom Schreiber to have opportunities to find space to shoot, to find passing lanes, and the Archers have the first pick in April. Again, we don't know yet who will be available, but look for the archers to try to find their ex attackmen, their whether it's Sowers or Ament. If they forego the extra year of eligibility, Sowers will most likely need to transfer. So that is something that we will monitor in the coming weeks. Chris Bates for the second straight season might end up drafting a guy that doesn't play in his first season. Definitely a possibility. We will talk much more about it as we near the draft in April. For the Whipsnakes, Jim Snagnita came into this draft knowing that he needed to add an offensive player, someone that can find the back of the goal. In expansion, he lost four of his top offensive weapons in Ryan Drenner, Ben Reeves, Drew Snyder, and Connor Kelly. These four produced 72 points for the defending national champs last season, so it was pretty easy to predict where Stagnita was going with the fifth pick. He selects Zed Williams, a guy who scored almost 450 goals in high school, which is unbelievable. Williams can play in a lot of different spots on an offense. He can play midfield and attack. So this flexibility allows Stagnia to now build around him and Matt Rambo. Mike Chuck was protected, so he'll be back. The Whip Snakes still have a long way to go, but they can at least start with a guy that you can build around. Rambo being the offensive initiator. Chuck the deep shooter. He had 10 two-point goals in 2019. And Zed Williams, who is a scorer that you can put anywhere, attack or midfield, so it'll be interesting to, to watch and see how Staggs goes about replenishing this offense. And he added a short stick defensive monster in TJ Comizio, a guy that, like Courier can really do it all. He's primarily a defensive midfielder, a really good defensive midfielder, but he plays on, a, on face-off wings, he pushes in transition, plays him on the midfield with Jake Bernhardt, Ty Warner, and John Haas, Mike Chanichuk shooting from range. The Whipsnakes were one of the, if not the best, short-stick defensive midfield unit in 2019. This unit just got better, and the offense still remains a question mark for the defending champs. Brendan Cavanaugh was there when, when they picked in the second round, but defensively and in the transition game, expect this unit to repeat as one of the best in 2020. Moving on to the Redwoods, the Redwoods came into this draft looking like one of the best teams in the league. The attack features Jules Hennenberg, Ryder Garnsey, Matt Cavanaugh, Brendan Gleeson, and Clark Peterson are also on that depth chart. Now, St. Laurent just added one of the best midfielders in the game of Miles Jones. He didn't put up huge numbers in 2019, but should see an increase in production in 2020 in a different scheme. So really, the only question mark was at face-off and defense. Starting at face-off, I don't think this is the final decision, but St. Laurent selected Greg Pesculgian at 13, who replaced Greg Gorellian, who retired, and will join Jerry Ragonis. Dagger creates some competition at the face-off X. I can't imagine this being the... Final decision here, but definitely a step in the right direction. I know I'm I'm, I'm kind of writing off Greg Paskuljine here, but he won 56 faceoffs last season. He recorded 94 ground balls with the number one with the number of one goal games and overtime games last season. in The PLO it it proved how important each possession is. Paskuljine played in two professional championships for head coach Nat Saint Laurent, so the chemistry between coach and faceoff specialist is already there. So. Really like this pick. Praskuljan could be a starter in this league. At 6, the Redwoods went with a defenseman, Finn Sullivan, who was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate last season in the MLL. The Redwoods' defensive unit was dominant in 2019, and Sullivan can help add to that. There are also question marks surrounding Matt Landis' availability. The Redwoods might lose him to the military, so with that unknown, I like this pick. He helps in replacing Brian Karolunas, who the Redwoods lost in expansion. And the hope for Coach St. Laurent is that he fits in on day one in a rotation with Garrett Apple, Eddie Glazner, Larkin Kemp, and John Sexton running at LSM. This could be one of the best defenses in, in 2020. Again, with, with the Atlas, I think the Redwoods are positioned right now as one of the best teams going into the season in 2020. And moving on to the final team, the Chaos who made selections at 7-14. and 14. The Chaos made a splash with the 7th pick, selecting two-time All-World goalie Dylan Ward. Some people saw this coming. I did not. Blaze Jordan was the goalie of the, of the year last season in the PLL. His save percentage was just under 56%. But the Chaos only had one goalie, Entering this draft, Andy Towers lost his backup, Charlie Cipriano, to expansion. So this selection adds another starting goal to the roster, and this is a big move now that I look at it. Riordan plays attack in the NLL for the Philadelphia Wings, 54 points last season, 42 this season. He played some attack in the PLL All-Star game last season, scored a couple goals. This is a move where Towers could swap Riordan and Ward throughout the game and throw Riordan in at attack every so often to keep the opposing defense guessing. And having depth at goalie is important because the goalie play in 2019 was so good that having two of possibly the best goalies in the game on the same team isn't too crazy to think about. Surprised by this pick, but I do like it. And the final selection for the Chaos was defenseman Jason Noble, a veteran presence that could help, hopefully help, in replacing one of the best defensemen in the game, Brody Merrill. The Chaos just added Sergio Salcido in a trade, so with Brendan Kavanaugh still on the board, addressing the midfield and attack wasn't as important. The chaos looked pretty good in those departments. Noble was a three-time All-American at Cornell. He's a two-time All-Ivy selection, two-time member of Team Canada at the FIL World Championship. He's won a silver and a gold medal, so Noble was definitely proven himself throughout his career only question mark here is that noble hasn't played field across in a few years he's played in the nll but it will be interesting to see how he performs at training camp and whether or not he cracks the chaos 18-man roster in the first few weeks of the season so we will definitely be making sure to, to watch for that so when you ask the question who won this draft you need to look at it as if the season started today which teams looked the best and as who got better who improved the water dogs had a lot of areas to improve but they took a considerable step in narrowing that list The Chrome need to stock up on defense. They did that with Bernhardt, but I think they missed out on a young pulling chick. And if you're thinking defensive midfield, TJ Camisio was still on the board when Chrome selected at 9. The Atlas might have improved the most. They got arguably one of the best attackmen in the game and a young athletic defenseman that you can play in a lot of different schemes. I think Atlas won this draft. The Archers had uncertainty at defense, so they filled it with a proven starter in pro Cross and added a midfielder to help make up for the losses of Dan Epp and Ben McIntosh. The Whipsnakes needed an offensive player, particularly a scorer. They got that with Zed Williams, and they added a young short stick defensive midi that will thrive with one of the best transition units in the league. The Redwoods, like the Archers, had a question mark down low at defense, solved it with Finn Sullivan, and got a face-off specialist to compete with Drew Seminole in camp. And the chaos, now have the best goalkeeping situation in the league, something we will follow all offseason as we approach the college draft in April and the offseason trade deadline. Does Andy Towers move Dylan Ward? The Waterdogs only have one goalie. Chrome have reported being interested. We will definitely be following this as we continue on into this PLL offseason. So there are my entry draft thoughts. For probably the next week, I will continue the conversation on the entry draft. Hopefully I can get some guests on the show. But I've given my insight in two cents. It is now time to give yours. Head over to our Twitter, at Flags underscore, and tweet at us. It could be a question, a statement, whatever you want, and we will be sure to get back to you. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been the Behind the Back Podcast.